0: Hi. welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. It does make sense because, you know, don't get mad, but you know, it is true whether we like, you like it or not. America is, quote unquote, the strongest superpower in the earth. So it stands to reason that in that arena right there, to say the least, there'd be a sense of authority. Of course, also the thing is, whether you like Trump or not, I do, so tough. If you want to know why, see me later, and we'll have a long talk, because I can explain why. You Don't listen to the media. I know, we know people that work closely, but there are so many prayer meetings in the White House right now, it's incredible. Prayer upon prayer upon prayer upon prayers going everywhere, and he asks for prayer. Yes, he makes a bunch of mistakes, just like King Cyrus, just like David, just like you. Aren't you wonderful? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so wonderful. No, I'm not going to hold it up. Turn to Psalm 81, if you would. Psalm 81. Father, I approach your word with incredible reverence because it is holy, because it is eternal, and because it is absolutely life-giving. And I do pray, Father, that our ears will be able to hear more than just sentences, more than just statements, but that our ear, our spiritual ears, might truly be tuned in to heaven and to the Holy Spirit, who is the true teacher of the Church. I say this often, but it's true, nevertheless, it only takes one word from heaven to alter your entire destiny. So, Father, let us hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say today. In the name of Jesus, I ask this, and I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Psalm 81, like I said, I'm not going to do, quote-unquote, a Rod Anderson teaching per se. At least I don't think. I'm trying not to. There's just a couple of thoughts that hit me this week. In Psalm 81, it's like God's heart towards us is kind of summed up in about five or six verses here. And, of course, he's dealing with the issue about when Israel had come out of Egypt— and all this, and of course how he had treated Israel and loved them. But listen, I read again from the Amplified Bible, so if you don't itch, they'll put it up on the screen. But let's start in verse um, oh, verse 8. Psalm 81, verse 8. i wait till you get it up there. Whosoever, is that you, John? Oh, you got it up there. Good. Hear, O my people, and I would admonish you, O Israel, O Rod Anderson, O Bobby Kamari, O Kevin Rao, O John Vensel, whoever, hear. And I'll admonish you, if you would listen to me. Verse 9, there shall no strange God be among you, neither shall you worship any alien God. Verse 10, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. That's a pretty good promise. Verse 11, but, 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 my people, my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would have none of me. They just stood aloof from me. So what's verse 12 say? What an incredible horrific. So, guess what God did? I gave them up to their own heart's lust. I let them go after their own stubborn will, that they might follow their own counsel. Verse 13, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. And look at what he says will happen in the next three verses. Let me read 13 again. Oh, that people would listen to me, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Speedily then, I would subdue their enemies, I'd turn my hand against their adversaries, verse 15. Had Israel listened to me in Egypt, then those who hated the Lord would have come cringing before him, and their defeat would have lasted forever. Verse 16, he said, what I would have done, I would have, God would have fed Israel now also with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock, I would satisfy you. In other words, just in these few verses, God says, my intent, my overall intent is to be sure that you're delivered from any and all adversaries. He said, I'll deliver you fast, but the issue is listening. Then he goes on to say, my will has always been the same. My desire is to feed you with the finest. I said, the finest. I said, the finest, not mediocre, not second rate. My desire is to feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock would I satisfy you. In other words, all through Scripture, everywhere. But to me, this just kind of summarizes something. God said, it's not that I'm not willing and wanting. My plan has always been to do you good. Like Jeremiah, like we quoted earlier, Jeremiah the thoughts and plans. But he said, the issue is, why are you so stubborn? It seems you don't really understand that my directions are for your benefit. There's nothing grievesome about any of my commandments. Anything and everything I have ever spoken to you is for your good. Why don't you get it? It's just that simple. And I was reading that, and I just felt the heart of God. I felt God just kind of, it's like I saw him exasperated. You know, God does have emotions. It talks about God being grieved, God being sad, God being angry. God experiences emotions. They're not like ours. We can't equate them with what humans experience. But think about the fact that we can indeed, like Thessalonians, said, we can grieve the Spirit of God. We can sadden the very Spirit of God, who is joy. Because he keeps saying, don't, why don't, when is it going to be, when will my people stop hardening their heart? When will they quit thinking their own counsel is better than mine? When, you know, he said, if you keep pushing and keep pushing, like it says here, and he does because he's a gentleman, he said, I will let you have your own way because I will never force you. You see, that's the thing about our Father. He will never, ever force you to follow Him, force you to obey Him, force you to take the right decisions. He never will because He made us all what we call free moral agents. He gave us the right to choose. And you all know the verse in Deuteronomy 30, 19. He said, I I call heaven and earth to record this day before you that today I have set before you life and I've set before you death. I've set before you blessing. I've set before you cursing. Please choose life so that thou and thy seed might live. When I taught some youth years ago, I always remember I had to put a table up here and I put a, a, this incredible, beautiful um, filet steak up there on one side of the table. On the other side, I don't know if anybody remembers butcher's tripe dog food, it comes in a tin. You open a can of butcher's tripe dog food, the, the smell of it, the stench of it, will knock you off a bike from 10 blocks. It is funky. And you put there, and, and I said, now check it out. You got a filet here, or because they were used, I said a couple of Big Macs, cheeseburger. <laughs> but <clears throat> I said, here's your choice. You got a steak, or you got tripe dog food. It's your choice. What do you want? And the funny thing is, some people go, hmm. I mean, like, they, it's because they have, they don't see that, Wrong decisions are just a bunch of dog food. They don't see it. They see what the world says. They see what the world has said tastes good. I said they continue to choose what the world says tastes good. And it makes them sick, but not at first. The sickness follows after. And so God's in heaven going, when will my people listen to me? I am not a harsh taskmaster. I want to do you good. I want your life to be a blessed life. Now, Paul had a revelation of this. Let's turn to Philippians chapter three, if we could for a moment. These are very familiar verses in Philippians three. But I'm going to read them to us again because I want you to see his heart and what Paul had working in him. I'm going to start in verse seven, Philippians three, seven. You'll know this passage. Paul says, But whatever former things that I had that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared, when I compare it, when I compare it to the possession of the priceless privilege. The overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving, recognizing, understanding him more fully and clearly. He said, "For his sake, I've lost everything, I've given up everything. I consider it all to be rubbish." The stuff that looked to me to be gold compared to Christ and knowing Him, He said to me, I've seen the difference. This is gold. That is rubbish. God is gold. Verse 9 says, And that I might actually be found and known as in Him, not having any self-achieved right standing. That can be called my own, based on my own obediences to the law's demands but that I might possess that genuine righteousness, or right standing, that I might possess that genuine righteousness which comes through the simple truth of faith in Christ. I believe. I believe. The anointed one, the truly right standing with God which comes from God by saving faith. Verse 10, For my determined purpose. Have you ever met anybody that's determined have you ever been determined about anything? Nah. <laughs> you need to be determined about your salvation is what I'm trying to tell you. This is not a, just a dog food steak issue. This is life and death. I said, this is life and death. You'll understand that further a I'm going to give you an illustration. I haven't done illustrations a long time, but I thought this, anyhow, I'll show you in a minute. For my determined purpose is that I may know him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, that I might perceive and recognize and understand the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power that outflows from his resurrection, which it exerts over us as believers, and that I might so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope, verse 11, that are possible I may attain to the spiritual and the moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Hallelujah. You need to study that a bit. You and I should be already, but could be lifted out of death into life while we're in the body right now. In other words, and that's what Christ does. He brings life And he annuls death. Hallelujah. Verse 12, not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on. I press on to lay hold of and grasp and make my own. I press on to lay hold of and make my own that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me and made me his own. Verse 13, I don't consider, brethren, that I've captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, this hit me, but one thing I do, there's one thing I know to do. Paul said, there's one thing I know to do. It is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and the heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. You know, when I saw that, you know, forgetting those things that are behind, you know the first thing I thought of? Counseling. A lot of the modern-day counseling. Have you ever considered that in modern day, and a lot of counseling, even in some church counseling, they always talk to you about your past? Maybe you were hurt when you were 12. You know, and they go so far as there's even a doctor out there they talk about, you know, maybe, you know, maybe something happened to you, could have happened to you in your mother's womb. <laughs> you really, you might have sinned in the womb. Who knows? <laughs> Crazy. But have you ever thought about that? They take you back. But God's word says, forget the things that are behind Now, do hurts in the past, can they affect you? Absolutely, they can. But this is why Christ comes, to cut the umbilical cord between what happened yesterday so that you can be fulfilled in tomorrow. You don't stay looking at the past. I quote that verse out of Hebrews 12 often. If you continue to think about the land from which you've come, you'll create constant opportunity to return to it. You don't talk about stuff that happened. If you can share a testimony sometimes, like, you know, people used to always ask me to share my testimony because it's a blood and guts testimony back in the day, teen challenge, and all the stuff, particularly when I ministered in prisons a lot and what have you. But, you know, I'm not anointed to teach or to share my testimony. It comes out once in a while. But the point is, I don't want to talk about dealing drugs. I don't want to talk about the violence. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what we sing about. My God is good, I want to go to his goodness. Why would I want to continue to dig a dead corpse up? It stinks. I said, it stinks. Don't let anybody else put you in that position either where they be keep you digging up something in the past. It is unhealthy to say the least. If it's in your past, forgive who did it to you. Forgive yourself for holding on to it and march forward. Do you hear me? That's what you do. Otherwise, you are your own worst enemy. It's called self-destruction. Well, how was Paul able to do this? And it really hit me. Of course, we know Galatians is where Paul said that he was caught up into heaven and had this divine revelation where Jesus Christ himself, he had an open vision, caught up into heaven. I knew a man, whether in the body, out of the body, I know not, caught up into heaven. He heard things that were unlawful for man to utter, impossible for man to utter down here, saw things, heard things. But he was, he was brought into the very presence of Jesus Christ himself. And what the scripture speaks to is that Jesus actually taught him all the truth about the new creation, about what the message of grace was going to be, and sends him back to earth to preach this message of faith and this message of grace and this message of God's great love. Hallelujah. Right? But the thing is, he got a glimpse of eternity. And that's what I just want to share just for a minute about here, eternity. Now, there's a few familiar verses that I want to read here. Um, Psalm 119.96. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. David says, I have seen that everything human has its limits, and no matter how extensive, noble, and excellent Oh, I'm sorry, I read the wrong word there. Sorry for the line. I have seen that everything human has its limits and end, no matter how extensive, noble, and excellent. But your commandment is exceedingly broad and extends without limits into eternity. What I'm trying to get you to see with that, God's Word covers all the bases, not just here and now, but forever. How you and I respond, like I said in Psalm 81, if we will but listen... I said we need to listen to the admonition of the Lord. Our listening or not listening really does determine your future and your eternity. Ecclesiastes 3.11 was always an amazing one to me from many years ago. He has made everything beautiful in its time. But listen to this. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds a divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. But take that. God, God's word says he's planted eternity in every human being's heart. A sense of purpose that nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. That's why people never get that satisfied just by doing earthly things, worldly stuff. Some of the most miserable men I have ever met in my life are incredibly wealthy men because they've got all the finances, all the incredible wealth. But after a while, you can only buy so much. They, it's, again, money, sex, whatever you want to talk about does not fill that God-shaped, I said that God-shaped Void that sense of eternity that's in every human being's heart. You are given the choice again, Deuteronomy 13. You're given the choice. Connect to that which carries eternal value, not temporal value. There's a lot of things that carry a temporary value right now. But then there's things that carry an eternal value. But see, we are so earthbound... I said we're earthbound. We're so earth-connected. Most of the body of Christ, I, I guarantee you, they do not have a revelation of eternity at all. They just—they think this is all that life is. And that's all I want to share with you tomorrow. This isn't, and I'm going to show you in a minute. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Then we, the living ones who remain on the earth, shall simultaneously be caught up along with the resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so always through the eternity of the eternities, hallelujah, we shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort and encourage one another with these words, I guess so. Comfort and encourage one another. We're going to be spending the eternity of the eternities with God if you've made that choice to to make Jesus Christ the very Savior and the Lord of your life. Then 1 Timothy 6:12 says this, fight the good fight of faith. We all know the verse. But Paul told Timothy and it's really interesting because it's actually it's called an imperative. It's not a suggestion, it's an imperative. It's like a command. He said, "Lay hold lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned and for which you confessed a good confession of faith before many witnesses." He said the issue of eternal life is something you and I have to grasp. It is what creates correct perspective for life. I want to say that again. Please hear me. You need to lay hold and grasp the revelation of eternity because if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're in church on a Sunday morning. So that kind of tells me, unless you were arm-wrestled and forced to come here, (laughs) that kind of tells me that you have a sense of belief in Jesus Christ and in God the Father, otherwise you wouldn't be here. Therefore, by virtue of your confession of faith in Jesus, you do realize, right, that you've made a decision that has to do with something called eternity, that you've realized that this is not all there is. But Paul said you need to lay hold on that. And it's interesting that the Greek word is epilambanomai, and it means to seize— to seize or to grasp to keep one from, inji- from injury. Now listen to that. To lay hold means to seize to grasp somebody. It's like to pull them up before they fall into a trap. Now that's kind of profound because he said you, you have to see eternity that way. You need to take. You need to have a revelation of eternity to keep you from injury. To keep you from making wrong decisions. To keep you from making a bunch of messes. Now years ago. Francis Chan, I don't know if you know Francis Chan, incredible speaker. He did this old illustration using a rope about eternal life. I couldn't find a rope, so I got a cord, okay? Maybe some of you have seen it, but that's all right. Uh, just give me a minute here. There it is. This, this is basically... I want you to see it as a timeline, okay? It's a timeline. This is his illustration. I give all honor and glory to Francis Chen. Now, this is your existence, okay? Now, you see this little red part right here? See this red part? This is your life on planet Earth, okay? This is your life on planet Earth. From birth to death, This is you and I. Okay? That's it. But existence, the timeline of existence, goes on for millions and millions of years. You're a spirit, you're going to live eternally in one of two places heaven or hell. But it's crazy how we are, because we do this. He said, and I'm just going to copy what he said once, because it was a crack man. He said, but this is what we do. This is all important. You know, right here, this spot right here is where I'm going to make my decision what school to go to. But this right here is when I made the decision to save and 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 to save. And to save, and to save. Because if i want going to get right here, then I'm going to buy this house. And it's all about that. That's your goal. Your goal is here. I'm going to get this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this. And it's all about this. And you got that. You got that in front of you. But you don't think about that. You don't realize how much your decisions in life right now are going to determine that. Why do we, why do we, we think too much about this? We think too much about the gold that's here, the cars that are here, the houses that are here, the whatever that's here. This is not what it's all about. Do you hear me? This is not what it's all about. It's about eternity. Your decisions today have eternal consequences. That's all I'm trying to say. Hallelujah. And people, you know, they've said to me, just like they said to Francis, like I said, I'm quoting this word for word unashamedly because it's the same thing. I remember when I I got here and I got saved and stuff, and I had all these people saying, you're stupid, man you're stupid. What are you doing doing this stuff, going to church? You're, 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 you believe in this Jesus stuff? You're stupid. I looked at him. I said, no, you're stupid. Said, you're the ones that are stupid. I said, because I've seen this. You're living here for right now. You're living for this. You're living for the party on Saturday night. I've got eternity in my heart. God's planted eternity in my life right now. This is what it's all about. I'm not going to make decisions based upon just this. My 80, 90 years. That's what Paul saw. Do you see that? Paul said, I'm pressing towards the mark, the high calling. I look not at the things that are behind. I'm pressing towards this mark. You see, he, he saw something. It's like Moses in Hebrews. It says, Moses... Look, he said, he endured his looking at him who is invisible. That's why he had no problem forsaking the riches of Egypt and what have you. Because he had his eyes on something that was invisible. He saw another end to stuff. Same thing there. Jesus our Lord said. He said, Jesus, it says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, ignored the shame, despised the cross, and he sat down today at the right hand of God because of the joy that was set before him. He knew what the end result of his obedience was going to produce. Hallelujah. Anybody listening to me? So the issue is not right here and right now. The issue is you got millions and millions and millions of years to live and to rejoice in joy that's unspeakable Bobby used to, on her email, she always signed something saying bliss to you. We hardly ever use the word bliss, but in Scripture it talks about heavenly bliss. It talks about an unparalleled joy and ecstasy that's going to be in heaven forever, throughout all these millions of years. Hallelujah. See, that's what I'm looking forward to. But a bunch of you think this is all there is. This is it. This is it. It's about next week. It's about when I retire. It's about whether or not I get a good contract with my incredible voice. It's about whether or not I write this book or that book. It's about this. It's about this. It's All of this is a very short-term experience. And God, Psalm 81, He wants us to listen to Him. And that's all I'm trying to say this morning. Would you please do yourself a favor and make choices based upon things that carry eternal weights of glory? not temporary weights of satisfaction. When I think about young people, you know, I was young once, believe it or not. I know what it's like to be 17 years old. Oh my God, did I know how to be 17. My wife knew what it was like to be 17 or 18. Party girl in London, all, all over the place with all these rock stars and all these clubs. Watch it, girl. Shh, watch it. That's the past. So like I said, we don't talk about the past. For the point is, I know, I know, I know all the desires. I know that the only thing that matters is what Billy Bob or Janie Boo or whatever think about me and what I do. You know what I mean? It's the only thing that makes any difference what people think about me. And I don't know, you know, this is why it is such an incredible miracle today how strong some of these youth movements are. These kids that are 8, 16, 17, 14, years old, or 20 years old, just fanatic for Christ. Because the Holy Ghost is moving that mightily and that powerfully upon planet Earth. He's causing them to see that this is the decision you need to make. This is going to color every one of your future years. This is going to cause you to be blessed. This is going to cause you to get you know, get into situations that others won't get in. You're going to be blessed where others won't be blessed because you're going to ask what Jesus thinks about this. What would God actually think about this? What does Jesus think about me doing this? And it's just that simple. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. You make the right choices. But again, I'm going to read, I'm going to go back to Psalm 81 again. I just want to read it one more time, and then we're finished and we're going to have a short break, whatever the long break is, and then we're going to have envision. I'm going to read the same verses out of Psalm 81 again. Verse 8, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you would listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. And see, we know what that means today. The Bible says in the book of James... You no, first John says it almost the same thing in James 2. First John says that anything that you, uh, uh, that you uh, venerate more than God is an idol. And you, you become an idolater. And you know what happens to idols? Idols get thrown down to the ground and broken. So you don't want to be an idol worshiper because you're guaranteed that it's going to be broken anyhow. Because God will have no other gods beside him. There's another verse that used to freak me out. It says, He that makes himself a friend to all the world makes himself the enemy of God. We're not called to be in covenant with the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Remember? We're in this thing. But that's why you and I are to shine as bright lights in the world. We're not supposed to fit into to everyone else's darkness. You do know that, right? I'm not supposed to fit. I don't feel like I belong over there. Well, you don't because you belong to Christ. That's why you'll never, if you're truly born again, you'll never feel that good about going to a party with a lot of drugs and sex and booze. That's not where you fit. I said, that's not where you fit. You'll never feel good around hanging around the guys in the water cooler, everybody telling dirty jokes. That's not where you fit. You don't fit with people who cheat on their taxes. You don't fit with people who steal. You don't fit with people who curse. You don't fit. You don't curse them. You don't condemn them. But you pray for them because you want them to experience what you're going to experience. Millions of years of bliss. Hallelujah. What is your life? It is but a vapor. It appears... And it vanishes, just like that. Can help me to consider the days of my life, David said. Help me to consider the end of all things. And that's what I'm trying to help you do this morning. So again, he said here, I am, verse 9 again, there shall be no strange God among you, neither shall you worship any alien God. I am the Lord your God. I am the only God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth. He said, let me fill it. Don't let other stuff fill you. Don't let other stuff fill you. If you'll open your heart and open your mouth, that actually, actually what the word mouth there. It means the mouth, actually, the word speaks to the heart, a human heart, your heart, your being, your soul. He said, if you'll open your heart, I'll feel, I'll fill it. I'll give you fulfillment, absolute fulfillment. Verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice, and they didn't want to have anything to do with me. So, God said, okay, just like Romans 1 teaches, I gave them up to their own heart's lust. I let them go after their own stubborn will, that they might follow their own counsel. Do you know how many people Julie and I have counseled over the years who have done just that? Do you know how many times Julie and Rod have followed their own counsel themselves? and seeing that the end of it wasn't beautiful. (laughs) And after a while, you know, I guess a lot of it, like I said, does come with age. You just go, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. You know what, I'm not watching that. You know, some of the friends, Angela and some others were joking with me because Julie was away for four days and said, so what'd you do, Rod? And I joked with them and I said, well, what every man does when their wife's away, I eat what I want, I watch what I want, I go where I want. Hallelujah, amen. Sorry, well, you guys are all so religious out there. Give me a break. But you know, I sat there. The house was so empty without Juliana. So I turned on the TV. I got, I honestly, I just, I, I, you know, I tried to get, I tried to be interested in a couple of programs. And I just went, this, excuse me, this stuff sucks. <laughs> I said, and there's nothing on here. And but for a while, I found myself watching because I wanted the time to go by. I was just watching. The stuff was stupid. And all of a sudden, I just stopped. I remember I put my head back. I pushed the mute on the remote. You know, God's man. God, the, the the tool that God has given man that means the most to man is the remote control. Oh my God. But, you know, I, I muted that thing and I went, what am I sitting here? What? I mean, this, God, you know, redeem the time. And so it was a real pleasure to turn it off and listen to the word and go back to the book. I love this book. But he said, God says that if people really keep, you know, you, you're in control of your life until you give it to God. But giving it to God means you give it to God. And first thing the world says, you don't know what you're going to miss. I'll tell you some things you'll miss. You'll miss addiction. You'll miss venereal diseases. You'll miss being fired at work. You'll miss all kinds of antagonism. You'll miss all kinds of stuff when you come to God. Hallelujah. Not a bad thing to miss, in my opinion. But if they keep pushing, I'll give them up. I'll let them. He says, I'm going to let you make your own decision. And you'll have to. You know, the Bible does say the way of a transgressor is hard. I know I've counseled people before. And they said, man, this is so hard. And I said, well, duh, uh, dude, you transgressed. I can't take that part away. The way of a transgressor is hard. You keep screwing up. It's going to be tough. Quit following other voices. Verse 13, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways, then speedily I would subdue their enemies, I'd turn my hand against their adversaries. If you would have listened to me, then those who hated the Lord would have come cringing before you. All your enemies, would have; their defeat would have lasted forever. What I want to do is feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock, I want to satisfy you. I want to give you the very best there is because I want you to shine as lights in a dark world. I want the world to see that I am God. Hallelujah. So lay hold on eternal life is what I'm trying to counsel you this morning think afresh that you've got not it's not just this bit you've got millions of years of existence do you understand how harsh it is to actually realize some people are going to spend eternity in hell that was never prepared for them the bible is very clear it was never ever prepared for man ever Prepared for the devil and his angels, never prepared for man. But when mankind enters into a league with the devil, he sadly receives the judgment of the devil. You're right here, right now. You're in this bit. But you got all of that that's on its way. Make the right choice. Lay hold on eternal life. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.